Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And we're going to get going here right away, just jumping straight in to Elon Musk is going to be giving the remaining Twitter employees stock rewards. So uh, he announced on Twitter that Tesla. Wait. ChatGPT wrote this talking point wrong. Okay, so Elon Musk announced on Twitter that all remaining Twitter employees will receive stock rewards in March. The announcement has come after a wave of layoffs at the company. Obviously, it's been happening like the whole time he's been there. But Musk also tweeted to hint at a new compensation program that will be announced at the future. Future in the future, my English is gone. We're gonna figure it out though. So I think this is uh going to be used as a way to get your employees to be more involved at the company. The way you do that is part of their payment, part of their reward program is through stocks. So if the company's doing good, you're making more money exponentially as long as the company's doing the same. It's worked at Tesla. I don't see why it wouldn't work here. It's a great way to get your employees to care about the company more than just beyond, am I getting paid? Am I getting a raise? This will actually push them to do stuff. So. What impact do you think it'll have on te- put Tesla again on Twitter employees? Uh, will help boost morale. I think announcing that like the end of the waves of layoffs he's been doing would help morale. I think this is a good way though to keep the remaining employees like, okay, we're getting a stock reward, which means if I get that, then I'm probably locked in, which means okay, now I care about the company because I want my money to matter. So. Yeah, he's been, Musk has been criticized in the past for his use of Twitter. I think he's just eccentric billionaire that finds memes funny, and when you have that much money, you kind of just do what you want to do. We also can just jump straight into our next topic. I think that one's pretty short, just because there's not much to say. But uh, your best friend Snapchat, which I hate their app, I do not enjoy using it, but has also now hired ChatGPT. So... Snapchat has launched a AI chatbot called MyAI that uses OpenAI's ChatGPT technology to enable conversational experiences within the app. So the chatbot is designed to have its own personality and acts as like your best friend on the platform, which is just kind of wild. Snapchat also put out a warning after Microsoft's fiasco that, yes, uh, you can get the chat to bot to say things that it should not say and you know you can trick it so be warned <laughs> my my ai is just part of snapchat's you know efforts to expand beyond its core social media functions which is weird that it's classified as social media because i think of it more as a messaging platform but names to pride provide more users with more utility and entertainment which i think this will provide entertainment utility I don't know why you would want to just go on Snapchat for that. Something like Bing with their new chat AI would seem to be way more of a informational benefit and utility, but Snapchat props for trying. Snapchat makes a lot of weird decisions, and uh, so far none of them have helped a ton branch out of their core social media function. The most thing that they have is kind of their AI when it comes to just like putting things on people's faces and stuff like that. But today's world, I don't even know if that's that hard to do anymore. So what are some potential benefits and drawbacks of AI chatbot, like my AI to, you know, facilitate interactions between business and users? I think it could make a good support system. 
I don't know if this is a great way to use it. One of the examples they gave of how people could use it is if you're in the app and you're like, oh, it's my best friend's birthday. I didn't get her anything. What do I get her? Uh, you can ask the chatbot, what do I get my best friend forever for her birthday? That I, I, That's a use case, I guess. I, I think this will be better used for communicating like, hey, I like eating here, here, and here. Where would be a cool restaurant suggestion for tonight near me? Stuff like that I think would be more, but why aren't you just going to Bing? And I don't know why it needs to be in Snapchat. We'll see how people use it in the oncoming months, but this just seems like such a, a waste, I guess would be the best way to say it. I, yeah, I mean, it. Snapchat put out a forward apology about this. They also just, you know, write a haiku about my best friend, Lucas, and then it wrote like, Lucas loves cheese, Gouda, Brie, just, I don't know. Looks like a cringe way to use it. Cool that they're doing it, I guess. Well, it'll be a different way that people interact with ChatGPT, which I think will be interesting to see, but I don't see the use, please. So how might the integration of AI into these platforms change the way people communicate and engage with each other? I think it's going to end up making a lot of people less creative, maybe even some creatives, but I think mostly people that aren't creative are going to be like, why would I think of something? It's going to make a lot more interactions more superficial. I think we're going to end up with a lot more people that interact online through the reading this, this, and this, and then put out this. Like, I, I think it's going to be a little more, it's not going to be your own words. It's going to be chat GPT's words facilitated through you. And I think that's going to make what already feels like a divided, like a divided space. And a place where just people just kind of repost. I think we're just going to get ChatGPT reposts from almost everyone, especially people that aren't going to take the time to think of something or be creative and put that out there. So, I mean, we'll see. Like I said, we'll see. But based on how a lot of people seem to be using ChatGPT when it comes to their job, I don't see why you wouldn't do that on your social life. You know, what post will perform the best? What can I say to make people the most interested in me? Stuff like that. Next up, we have always a good topic, and that's uh, Pixel Phones. I cannot watch a certain YouTube video, which is crazy because both of them come from Google. So the Pixel 7 Pro, and I believe this goes to the 6 and 6a as well, like back that far, so Pixel devices from there on up, is crashing and rebooting while playing a clip from the movie Aliens from 1979 which has been remastered to 4k hdr but many are theorizing that this issue could be with youtube's hdr compression in which it's creating a color beyond the spectrum of what's being able to be displayed on the pixel 7 and 7 pro uh, you might remember that a nat geo wallpaper did the same thing in 2020 on pixel devices and samsung devices because the color scheme was outside of what they could display I don't know why this doesn't go back farther in device. Google has acknowledged the problem. They're working on a fix, blah, 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 blah. You know, hopefully this won't break phones like it did in 2020. But it's it's interesting that this keeps happening. And it's happening on technically all companies with inside Alphabet, which you think there'd be. It wouldn't be doing that, but it is. Uh, so what can you do to protect yourself? Well, don't watch the video if you have one of these devices. I already did on my Fold phone. I'm fine. But, uh, you know, maybe don't do that on your device. 
it's it's so wild to think that things like this, something as simple as a YouTube video, that's safe. There's no mal malice behind it, but for some reason, brand new Pixel phones just can't play it. Just kind of wild to think about. Next up, as always, there's always some mention of Elon or Tesla or both multiple times a show. But Tesla has topped Ford on brand loyalty, which is kind of wild. So they did this in 2022 based on customer retention rates. According to the awards, Tesla had a 39.4% retention rate compared to Ford's 36.1% retention rate. So the board just demonstrates that you know Tesla is going to build a loyal customer base despite competition from Trisha Dell. See, this is where it gets weird. So the the bullet point that ChatGPT wrote me is that the award demonstrates that Tesla is continuing to build a loyal customer base despite competition from traditional automakers and new EV startups. I think what it comes down to is Tesla's where a lot of people try their first EV. I think EVs are so good that compared to a combustion engine, unless you're a car guy, that you're like, why would I buy anything else? And then you look at everyone else's offerings and you're like, even if you don't care for the way Tesla's look or how minimalist they are inside, you look at everyone else and you're like, okay, the range is bad. The charging is maybe not bad anymore, but like how reliable is it? And then, yeah, I mean, there's just, Tesla just has these, you know, 10 years of work that just puts them above everyone else. Even though that gap is definitely shrinking, no one else offers a direct competitor basically for range and you know the experience and a lot of evs from other brands are missing the power that comes from an electric vehicle i think that's hurting them more than it's helping them because when you go in a test drive and you can feel that raw power that you know you don't get that and i think if you're not feeling that when you test an ev you don't realize the full benefit because you don't we understand, like, you know, when you go to leave a stop, an intersection, you go to leave a stop, you go to get into a lane of traffic, and you need to accelerate, we understand the electric vehicle is going to be faster. But if it doesn't feel that much faster to a person, they kind of write it off. I think that's the biggest difference here. Only being a, you know, 3%-ish difference in retention rate, I think, is mostly that. I think as Ford finishes crossing over, they'll probably retake Tesla at some point, unless they never do. I mean, that's a possibility. And it's kind of, kind of wild. So, you know, how significant is brand loyalty? I, to be honest, I'm shocked it's at forty percent. To be completely honest, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how big of a deal it is. I would guess that Tesla also is a higher one, just because people tend to love Elon Musk, and uh, you buy into the Tesla culture, you kind of get sucked in. So I think that may be part of it here too, but I don't know how big of a deal it really, really is. I mean, truly the better product's just going to win out. I think here we're seeing that, you know, Tesla has the better product, so they're winning out. So what factors do you think contribute? Kind of already talked about that. I think it's mostly just the specs are better. People know the Tesla brand when it comes to EVs. They know the charging is going to be set good. They know the cars are pretty damn reliable and yeah they know the range is going to be there they know the power is going to be there tesla's done a great job at not marketing but marketing themselves well i mean they don't pay for marketing but 
you wouldn't know that by the way people talk about him. So impressive. Next up, OnePlus has shown off a truly water-cooled phone. This is a complete concept. They sent it out to a few reviewers, it looks like, but still concept. Probably not ever going to make it to the market in the current form, but it legitimately doesn't use vapor chambers. It has water cooling pipes running through it. So, yeah, it promises to keep vices you know, running at peak performance for extended periods of times. Despite the cooling technology, uh, they did ask the people not to test it. People did anyways. Uh, but, you know... Early tests suggest that it still overheats and suffers from the same performance, but it doesn't hurt the phone either. And I believe from the LTT video I watched on it, they said that it just kind of seems to disperse the heat better on the back of the phone. And it, it's cool. It's cool to see that they are still trying new things. I, th I think that showing off concepts builds a better brand image because we get to see, like, they spent millions on research and development last year where did that money go? Where did they actually spend the money? And I, I think this is a great way to kind of show like, hey, we spent the money and this is what we've came up with. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It might seem kind of like a gimmick, but this technology leads to other things in the future. It leads to other devices. You know, maybe bigger devices can benefit more from something like this. And I mean, we'll see what happens. It's, it's, I think it's good to show this stuff off. I mean, it looks like the OnePlus 11. It obviously doesn't function that way. It's also possible that because this is a concept unit, that not everything's, you know, flushed out, doesn't work as well as it possibly should. I do wonder, I didn't see any tests on this, but I wonder if the water cooling system having the pumps in there, how much battery life you lose compared to not. Uh, that's just something I didn't see tested, but it's something to think about, you know, how much battery life is is really going to be lost here and sticking on the one plus range range sticking on the one plus train i think i think we might have an actual ipad killer on the android sign so one plus is expanding their product lineup with the launch of its first tablet the one plus pad it is set you know to compete with ipad samsung galaxy tab pixel whatever the heck they call it the tablet thing and it's expected to come with a 10.4-inch display, a MediaTek chipset 9000, 12 gigabytes of RAM, uh, which they said can keep about 24 background apps alive at a time. And the display itself is a 2800 by 2000 resolution at 144 hertz. It will also feature a ginormous battery at 9510 milliamp hours and support for 67 watt fast charging which oneplus said can get that sucker to full in about an hour which is also pretty wild it also comes with a complete keyboard with trackpad magnetic attaching pen it's a full-on laptop replacement if you want it to be it has not released announced a release date yet for the oneplus pad but it is expected to be more affordable than other high-end tablets which has kind of been oneplus's thing until recently and then kind of again Totally, it actually is. And pre-orders are going to begin here in April. There's so many things I have. So one of the things I saw here is that it looks... The UI, I think this is partially because as folding phones have become bigger and you, know, you get the tablet experience on a folding phone, I think what's happening is that Android is getting better at working on tablets. So I think that's one of the reasons this could actually end up being an iPad killer because Android's getting there. 
some of the pictures I saw, I didn't see any, I didn't watch any videos, but I saw some pictures from some articles. It looks like the iPad dock kind of at the bottom, but with all of the Android you love. And I think that's what makes this possibly an actual killer of the iPad. What'll really be the big deal here is if it is around, you know, an $800 price point, just a guess, that would be cheaper than the other tablets that are kind of starting around a thousand, eight, seven hundred bucks, something around there would probably be reasonable. Then I, I think what it needs to be able to do is last years. And I that'll be the bar that really makes this an iPad killer. So I think spec wise, I think we're there. I think the display is going to be great. I didn't see if it's OLED or micro OLED anywhere. I don't know if they mentioned that in any of the articles, but if it is, then it really, really could be an iPad Pro killer even, as long as it gets the lifetime support that an iPad would. It needs to last years. So with the major release of the OnePlus Pad, do you think OnePlus will be able to establish itself as a major player in the tablet market? Like I said, I think this actually has the potential to be an iPad killer. I think that Android's been getting the features to put it there as the possibility to replace your tablet. What's going to have to happen is this going to have to go on the market. I think the first couple generations might not sell as great just because people are skeptical of the Android tablet world. But I think if we see this actually make it and we see some long-term reviews on how it's holding up over time, it could really do it. I really think it could. Again, folding phones, the tablet experience on these, and some apps is great and some apps isn't. Devices like this coming from major brands like OnePlus that are generally respected i can can be the extra push that it really needs to get there so that said hope you enjoyed this one and i'll catch you guys in the next one i'm so excited for a real android tablet please OnePlus, don't mess this up